Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Pure Football Podcast, the podcast that brings you the stories, tactics, stats and rumours about football in Scotland and beyond. By fans, for fans. And as ever, I'm joined by my co-host, Owen Brown. Owen, how are you doing? Hey, Gavin. Yeah, I'm very well. How are you? Yeah, I'm, I'm really good. I'm not going through a midlife crisis having special K for my dinner at 20 to 11 at night. So <laughs> it's fine. It's good. It's all good. Um, so, yeah, you know what? It's been an amazing weekend of Scottish football again. Some, you know, so many talking points, right? Over, you know, uh, a lot of different games. And we said we would focus in on the League Cup on the, on the last game, I think, before that game kicked off, we probably could have asked for any more talking points, right? Really, in terms of of what how that game transpired and everything that happened. So, uh, really excited to talk about that. And we also said that we would focus in on uh, a lower league game, and uh, we opted for Wraith versus Airdrie, which we're going to talk about, which also had loads of incidents um, to talk about. Um, so, yeah, I'm I'm really excited for this episode, and then we're going to finish up with a, a quick roundup on. You know some of those last-minute Christmas gifts relating to football um, that you should be looking at for your loved ones or people you don't like. Um, so yeah, straight into it. Owen League Cup. First of all, I want your quick reaction on when you've seen the lineups for the the two teams, Rangers and Celtic, uh, Hamden. What was your initial thoughts on the the selections made by both managers? Uh, well, my initial reaction was, I guess, the obvious ones about the Celtic lineup. That again, Morgan was starting at centre forward, and I thought that might be a problem for Celtic. Um, I, I know that you know he's um, well; they've done okay in a couple of games that he's played up front, but it's a whole different proposition playing against Rangers and that kind of role. And the other thing was maybe Johnny Hayes at left back. Um, so you know, I'd um, pick those two things out prior to the match for Celtic as kind of things that I thought were. A little bit unexpected, or maybe not the best move from them. Um, from Rangers, I guess it was the fact that Stephen Davis was out. Um, there, there were kind of rumours floating about before the lineups were drawn that that was going to be the case, and it, and it kind of came to pass. So that was the main kind of thing that seemed kind of of note for them as well that that might be, um, you know, a, a little bit of a pity for them not having that kind of um, player with experience and control in the middle of the midfield. What, what about you? Yeah, much the same. Uh, I thought this game was actually really set up for Bolognoli uh, from Celtic. I thought he could have had a lot of joy in this game. Um, so I was a bit surprised with that. And yeah, obviously there was the, the question mark over Austin Edwards, but I think Celtic social media alluded quite a lot to, you know, he was back in training, which maybe was a bit of a, a false flag type thing for Rangers to maybe get them prepared for something different. Um, because I'm sure Rangers would have well, I don't know specifically how it works at club level, but that you know those images at Edward training, um, you know, and etc. were were really visible. So I think um, that was a bit of a surprise. Um, so yeah, I guess going into the the game itself, then as it as it kicked off, can just before we go into some of the finer details, you know, what an amazing game that was for Scottish football, right? How many talking points did it have, and so many interesting you know things that happened and. You know, I guess there could have been, you know, um, both teams going hell for leather. But I think we see some really, you know, great action. And it was a really good spectacle, I think, because uh, I think for our game, the Super Sunday we were up against was a bit of a lacklustre Sunday. Mm. Um, so hopefully, you know, we would have got some extra viewers and they would have got treated to, you know, some really good things uh, throughout the whole game. And, and I guess just to start with, then, Owen, what was your... Sort of thoughts then in terms of how uh, Rangers and Celtic approached the the first half. What sort of things did you see? 
Uh, well, I guess the, the first thing that kind of stuck out was quite how ra- dominant Rangers were. Um, so I thought they approached things really, really well. Um, I guess from a kind of tactical point of view, it seemed to me that they were going re- relatively similar to how they have done recently, um, but maybe a little bit more with um, Jack sitting slightly behind the midfield to kind of maybe sort of nullify Ryan Christie. Um, the other two midfielders um, kind of straight up against McGregor and, and Brown, really. Um, and all all the kind of opportunities for Celtic in terms of kind of escaping that press and that kind of midfield pressure was to funnel the ball out to the, the fullbacks. Um, and I think you kind of saw that for any kind of joy in the first half for Celtic, that was going to be via Frimpong if he got maybe past Kent and then managed to elude um, Camera, who was the guy who was to come out there on the left. Um, but apart from that, Celtic found it really, really difficult. Um, I don't think their passing was very good. They weren't switching the play very well. Um, Rangers managed to shut things down so that, um, you know, Christie and El Yanusi and Forrest couldn't get on the ball. And, and the, the major factor in that, I guess, is that Celtic didn't have an out ball. Um, because Morgan's not a centre forward, um, yeah. and you know when they were uh, lumping it up to him, it, you know he can't make the ball stick the way Edward can, and they had, they had not many other ways of getting the ball up the pitch because Hayes wasn't very good at progressing it either. Um, and I thought, uh, on in contrast, Rangers were really really good um, in an attacking sense. I think that midfield three um, at times maybe for me when they play in a kind of bigger games, say in Europe, for instance, sometimes the Rangers midfield three isn't quite as aggressive or positive as maybe yeah. I would think they could be. Um, but, you know, they, they're maybe a, a little bit flat and, and really concerned with the kind of defensive aspect of things and making sure that they can, you know, perform that kind of defensive shuttling from side to side. But in this game, they, they seemed aggressive. There was loads and loads of positional rotation. Um, you know, Morelos was moving out to the sides. Kent was trying to come inside. Um, lots of you know um, times when a rebo was going quite high as well. He was almost playing as you know not not a kind of right winger, but a kind of secondary right sided forward at times. Yeah. So I, I thought that was really impressive from Rangers, and it, it led to a real kind of dominant first half, um, at least in terms yeah. of shot counts and and so on. It was yeah. difficult for Celtic, and and Rangers were um, by far the better team in the first half. Yeah. What about you? Any yeah. further thoughts on that? Yeah, I totally agree. I think Rangers done a fantastic job of shutting the balls down um, between Brown and McGregor, um, making Celtic go back to the centre backs or the full backs who were eventually, you know, um, playing the sort of long diagonals to El Yanusi, which is just not his game, um, and or to Morgan allowing Rangers to to win possession back pretty easily and pretty quickly. And then you know, mm-hmm. at times it felt relentless in terms of you know Rangers yeah. winning the ball back, um, and it felt like you know it was just wave after wave of attack and I guess you know we really have to mention the performance of Fraser Forster was still sticking with the first half he mm-hmm. made, still made some absolutely outstanding saves um you know the first one he made from Ryan Jack I, I almost feel like he's <clears throat> he doesn't have a right to get that he doesn't have a right to save that um but obviously I mean that within a certain context but sure. um you know, great, great save to really stretch out and get it. It was a really flush hit by Jack with a lot of power behind it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that was an excellent save. And then he sort of rode his luck as well at times with the the save that uh, I think it was the Morelos chance where it kind of squirmed through his body. Um, he maybe could have done a little bit better there, but I think that just sort of set the tone from, yep. from Forster and it just 
gave him that confidence with the amount of saves that he made in the first half. There was a chance from um, Morelos where he pulled Ayer out wide and Ayer sort of dived into the tackle, Yep. Um, which Forster made another great save from. I do have a question mark whether Morelos could have cut it back there um, based on the angle, but um, you know what? You don't blame him for, for taking the shot either. Um, sure. But yeah, th- these things just grew um, for Forster. And there was something that I really noticed about his body language, how calm he came across. Mm. Um, and I think for the two centre-backs, when you consider, and you know the field defence actually, when you consider how much pressure they were under, how relieving must that physically feel to be like, you know what? He's playing as good as he is. He's not, you know, if you contrast that to how Al McGregor is as a goalkeeper, where he screams and shouts at his defenders, you know, if they give away a throw in. I was um, about to say that. Yeah, it's quite a contrast between those two, isn't it? Um, um, yeah. So, I, I, I totally agree with the praise you're, you're putting on Forster there. Um, it was incredible. I think Rangers had eight shots in the first half alone. Um, and if you keep in mind that on average Celtic concede five in a match in the league, uh, obviously they're playing you know other teams other than Rangers in the league, uh, you know. But still, that just kind of shows you what a different experience that that must have been for Forster. And you know, he he stepped up, and it's not the first time in a big game that he's made big saves for Celtic this season. Just uh, pretty incredible. Um, like you said, even the one where it kind of went through Frimpong's legs, and then. He kind of maybe didn't save it in the way he'd want to. It's still confidence building. It's reassuring for the defence that he's keeping things out. Um, I did say, I, sorry, I did, I did mean to mention that in relation to Forster, just as a slight negative note. Um, obviously, he deserves a huge amount of praise. He was clearly the man of match. I think he was another issue with Celtic not being able to get the ball up the park properly because his distribution shit. That's the one thing that I would say yeah. about him as a keeper. <clears throat> Um, that there were lots of times in this game when he insisted on going long um, or, you know, just hit it um, first time when it wasn't really needed. Um, and I think that that kind of hurt Celtic just in terms of, you know, you mentioned that for periods it felt kind of relentless, you know, wave after wave of Rangers attack. And that's true, but I think that's partly because Celtic turned over the ball too eagerly with, you know, doing things like that. Um, so, but but anyway, I I totally agree. Forster was incredible in the first half, um, even just on its own. So what you're saying is free Scott Bain? Well, no, I'm saying that <laughs> I'm looking, um, I'm what if you could build a lab <laughs> <laughs> somehow, you know, so Scott Bain's feet onto, uh, <laughs> except you wouldn't want to reduce the, the size of it. I mean, Foster, I think, saved that one where Morales was through <laughs> and I had it diagonally with his feet. So if you could keep the size, maybe trying, I don't know, some, 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 uh, Weird some science plat- going on here. Can they just train each other? Essentially, that's why okay. I would have those two um, trying to share the best of uh, of each other's attributes with each other. Um, but yeah, together they would be some keeper. Yeah. See, yeah, there's, you know, uh, that's obviously meant in jest um, before we get abuse on Twitter for it. Um, but yeah, uh, so moving on to the second half. Mikey Johnston comes on at uh, halftime um, for El Yanusi, who had some injury doubts going into this game. Um, I think the commentator said that it was a tactical move. I sort of felt that El Yanusi was given a really raw deal in this game um, and would have liked to have seen, had could he have done better um, when Edward came on, but we'll get to that in a minute. Um, so the first 15 minutes of the second half, it just felt like a little bit of more of the same. Would you agree? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, it was still. Um, aye, Rangers were still kind of trying to do the same things and doing it pretty successfully. I thought. Yep. 
So then there was the the real game changing moment where uh, Odson Edward uh, was summoned off the bench on the 59th minute. Mm. Um, his first interaction really is to win the free kick uh, wide uh, on the touchline area, and um, from a kind of needless foul I felt from Connor Goldson, but um, not sure what Edward could have done in that area based on how many bodies were around about him. So it was silly sort of decision by Goldson, I think, but. Edward does well to win the free kick uh, and Celtic score uh, an absolute sucker punch for Rangers um, considering the sort of game state um, with a goal from uh, Christopher Julian. I don't particularly want to get into the offside debacle and VAR. Um, it was, you know, for the for the actual the actual cross in then. So what did you think? Was there anything you seen from Rangers set up or anything that you feel could have been done differently taking out the equation of um, how uh, you know the the dubiety of the offside, or is there anything you felt from that? Because I know that's been a sort of area where you know Rangers have received some criticism. Well, sure. I mean, I think firstly, right? Uh, I know that you said that Goldson doesn't need to necessarily give away the free kick, and you need to trace these things back to the source, right? So that's 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 the thing. You try not to give away those opportunities. Yep. Um, firstly. But in fairness to Goldson, Edward's just so good at that. I mean, you know, you, you just knew that, well, I, I had a feeling that once he came on, there would be opportunities for him to do that sort of thing to um, the centre-backs. You know, he just drops into these wide spaces. Uh, his close control is just sensational, and then he can just turn you, and, you know, you've got a choice. You either let him get away from you, like Goldson did in the second um, chance that he set up for Johnston, or, or you bring him down. You know, you've got to make that call, and in this case, Goldson brought him down. Um but yeah, ideally for Rangers, they would have um, you know maybe not had Goldson all the way out in the wing in that kind of scenario, and you know some other um, way of stopping that becoming a free kick. Um, for the free kick itself, I'm I'm not too sure what Hillander's really doing. Um, I mean, I know that he disappears from uh, reality for <laughs> a second, and that kind of. Uh, I don't know, frame by frame, pause, is he, you know, where is he? Uh, is he somewhere between Julien and, and Edward? Um, but joking aside, um, I mean, he, he's, he's not really made a choice, you know. Julien and Edward are kind of standing in potentially offside positions. And I think Elander's got to be awake to that and think about, well, um, are we as a unit going to try and play them offside or am I going to move and be ready um, to, to try and be goal sides of both of them once the ball's about to be played because you, you can see um, that he's in between and then Ulien just uses his arm just enough to mean that Alander doesn't then have a chance of getting um, back goal side of him and it's over like that, you know, because Ulien's got that bit of space. So I, I would say that's that's the issue, that Alander's just not chosen. Um, he's allowed a choice to be made for him, I think, yep. by the Celtic players in terms of how he's defending it, rather than being the one that's in charge. And you've got to be in charge if you're, you know, the defending centre back there. Absolutely. So instant impact by Edward. Uh, Edward, sorry, and Julian capitalises. Um, Great finish as well. I yeah, thought, absolutely. Especially, you know, that's not something you would it's associate with Julian. Yeah. Yep. Um, so three minutes later. There's a penalty in the Celtic box uh, with Frimpong and Morelos sort of getting tangled up. Mm. Pretty fair that it's a penalty, I would say. Um, it's a definite penalty, yeah. Pretty much a disaster for Celtic defensively. They were um, a bit of a mess around then. Just you know, there was quite a lot of mistakes and kind of things not quite working out for Celtic um, defensively in this. It was kind of 
Hayes had a bit of a mix-up in the box at one point, and then you know that kind of ping-pong uh, table tennis between Ayer and Julian that resulted in that. But yes, it's a definite penalty for me, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so up steps of, or sorry, Frimpong's then sent off. You know, was up until that, I think he was Celtic's best player outfield. Um, I think he was having a pretty good game. Um, so it's a shame that he got sent off. Um, but I think you know you you can see why it is a red card as well. Um, sure. So so the penalty. Um, I don't know if you've seen this or not, but it felt almost awkward. Tavernier giving the ball to Morelos. I don't know if yeah. But then I, feel... I read afterwards somebody saying that it had been decided before the match that Morelos yep. was going to be penalty taker. But it did look in that moment, right, that Tavernier was kind of thinking, well, um, I'll give Morelos this opportunity so he can try and put this supposed hoodoo behind him, you know, after all these kind of shots today and in and the past and stuff. It, it was a bit weird. Um, yeah. I don't think Morelos should be taking penalties. I know it's Me easy either. to say that in hindsight, right? I mean, you know, quite, you know, pe- penalties are. Um, you're likely to score them, you know, more likely than not. And he could quite easily have scored this potentially. But I do just think that with penalties, um, it's it's not, you know, it, you need accuracy. You, need, you yeah. need that kind of, and for me, that's not necessarily so much a mental thing. I'm not saying that there's a mental blockage for Morelos in terms of scoring against Celtic. I'm just meaning specifically in terms of the yeah. art of scoring penalties. Yep. I, I don't think that's likely to be something that I would say that he was like, going to be strong at throughout his career. That's I can I guess on that. I would agree. I'd say that if you look at Morelos's goals for Rangers, I think a lot of them, uh, so shots specifically, will be, you know, sort of instincts or sort of powerful shots from, you know, difficult angles or these sort of things that maybe catch keepers off guard. Whereas mm. I think... Um, you know, I wouldn't say that he has composure in the sense of making a keeper believe that he's not just going to hit it as hard as he can, you mm. know. And it's very difficult to be accurate when you're not, uh, when you're just putting that much power behind the shot. Um, so I think, yeah, it was just doesn't seem like it's a good fit. Um, so Forster then saves the penalty. By and large, it was a pretty poor penalty in terms of, um, you know, where the ball was placed um, uh, Rangers then so the last 30 minutes I guess the question that I, I put to you um, Rangers kind of stopped doing after this uh, incident Rangers almost stopped doing the things that I felt they were doing really well against Agreed. Celtic they yep. um, you know res- resorted to um, long ball really direct balls um, they brought Jermaine Defoe on who his immobility is actually scaring me now. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I guess the question I have for you is, if you were Steven Gerrard and you could relive that final 30 minutes, is there any changes or anything that you would do differently? Sure. Well, I, I guess, again, these things are kind of easy to say in hindsight, right? Um, but I completely agree with the things you were pointing to there. So he took Kamara off uh, for Defoe after 71 minutes, so you know, five minutes or so after the, um, the penalty and the red card. And I think that um, that was a kind of double whammy, um, bad move, um, because um, both the foe's not suited to a scenario where you're playing against a team that's deep and where you're kind of hitting long balls and stuff like that. And also, um, you know, we took off a midfielder to bring him on and Rangers kind of lost control. Um, So they still had the ball and Celtic were very deep. But I mean, like in terms of control of play, uh, you know, this is, I think that moment 
um, that half hour, it, it really showed two things for me, apart from the, the issue with Defoe. Um, it showed to me that without Davis, um, there's a little bit of a lack of control for, for Rangers. Uh, it kind of showed that they could have done with somebody like him on the pitch then to keep control of the ball in midfield, show patience. Um, they needed to make the pitch wide, get the fullbacks way up um, and get positional rotation from people like Ken and, and somebody else and you know keep Morelos alert you know, near goal. Um, I also think that the other thing it illustrated is maybe in comparison with Celtic, the depth isn't good enough yep. at Rangers in terms of quality. So if you look at the two benches um, and the options that come on, so Barker came on for a rebo after 74 minutes. Um, Barker's not good enough, I don't think, for yeah, Rangers for you know the level that they want to get to. But not just Barker. I think if you maybe said you know Barker and Ojo and Stewart and maybe Jordan Jones. I know some of those guys not necessarily available and, you know, maybe things will come good for some of them. But I would just say that, you know, the, I don't know about the depth of quality there. Um, I guess, you know, they they, they maybe missed um, a different type of player. Um, yeah. I think the other thing I would say is that in terms of the Rangers squad, um putting Defoe's goals to the side a wee bit because I think both you and I agree that those are maybe not necessarily reflective of um, actual play in, in critical yep. games at critical points like this. There's maybe a lack of other goal scorers from um, yeah, opportunities. Degree. So you've got people like Kent or Jack who can maybe score from distance, but who else is going to be your goal scorer in the box? You know, Who yep. else can you get real repeatable chances for um, things like that so I, th I think you know that's that's a kind of two-parter yeah. point but yeah the half hour there they could have done things differently in terms of subs but the reason why they couldn't maybe is because of the lack of depth and, and the squad issues you know? so some something for me that really sticks out and again I've had a lot of back and forth with a lot of different people about this but um so I was I said that Defoe's movement, you know, it actually hinders Rangers at times because he doesn't move and Rangers sort of structures is all about uh interchanging players moving into different areas, um, creating space for, you know, those third man runners, etc. Um Defoe doesn't give you that because he doesn't move. And if you're so someone that I was speaking to said that but Defoe should have been the spare man, but that doesn't matter when you're playing in a zone. So if you're responsible for a zone or you're responsible for an area and not a man, it doesn't matter. Um, yep. So That's all right against Aberdeen or somebody where they're going to track everybody else away and then Defoe exactly. might be left one-on-one -on -one in the box. But in this scenario, you know, Ayer or Julien are probably going to get to the cross before um, yep. Defoe can. And also if Defoe's static then everybody else can't rotate as well, you know, yep. because then, you know, you can't necessarily make your overloads wide and stuff like that. You're not going to be able to get the cutbacks to him that he might actually pounce on. Um, yep. So, I, yeah, I agree with you on that. Um, I think it, it was a, it's a shame for Rangers and I, I, I can understand why people would disagree because Defoe has scored a lot of goals and he's clearly a very good player, but I think that you can see there that, um, you know, there, there's those limitations there. and. Absolutely maybe those wages could have been spent in a smarter way. Yep, totally. Um, so we've got quite a lot of things to get through. So just a couple of quick questions for you then, Owen. Um, Alfredo Morelos was a big talking point around about his performance against Celtic. So in your opinion, did he have a good or a bad game? He had a good game. Um, I don't think you can take that many shots um, and not be considered to have a 
good game. I, I think they were all good shots. Many of them made himself. You know, the one against uh, the one you mentioned where he beat Ayer out wide, for instance. Um, he yep. had lots of good movement. He was really mobile, rotated wide. He was, you know, effective. I feel he's now a bit calmer in possession on the ball. He showed yep. that against Feyenoord as well. Um, and yeah, and I think there's a couple of specific shots like the. The, the low diagonal one I mentioned earlier that Foster saved with his feet in the first half and a header where he um, was matched up against Frimpong, a, a free kick, and it was mm-hmm. the kind of back post um, downwards. He was really unlucky not to score either of those two, I think. Um, yeah. So, yeah, overall, I think he had a good game. Yes, uh, I, I'm glad you said that because uh, I feel like too many people have been critical of him. Uh, you know what? The penalty... I think he shouldn't have been put in that position because I don't see his skill as a penalty taker. I don't think that's his game. But he was put in that position and he didn't capitalise on it. Not being able to score against Celtic is being blown out of proportion by some aspects of the, the Scottish media. But actually his overall game and how he played, let's not forget, again, Fraser Forster was was one of the best players in this game. And there was Morelos was a big part in that. So yeah, I'm glad you said that. Um, so the next question I quickly had for you, Owen, was... Removing the scoreboard, should Rangers see this as a positive? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think it definitely is a positive for Rangers. I think that tactically things worked. Um, They were quite unlucky. um, And I think in lots and lots of individual battles, they showed that they can compete. Um, So that should really give you confidence. I think that, you know, if you're a Rangers player or a Rangers fan, um, you you should be taking that as a positive. Um, They they were very close to winning this. They could have been potentially a couple of goals ahead at halftime. So, yeah, positive for me. Yep, so they could have been a couple of goals ahead, apart from the Great Wall, who was Mm. uh, reinforced in this game. Um, So the next question I had for you was round about, should Celtic do all they can to keep Forster? Well, I'm I'm really unsure about this one to be honest. Um, I so he's out of contract in the summer, right? Is that yep, correct? That's, yeah, that's right. Yep. Um, he's obviously going to be pretty expensive, but you know, I I think he might be tempted. Um, so then you'd have to imagine, well, is he tempted into a wage cut? Um, I think that the reason why I think Celtic might do it and will do it, even though I think that potentially the smarter thing is to see if you can find. Um, you know, a, a new younger goalkeeper that's potentially as good is that goalkeepers are really tough position to replace, and with ten in a row potentially on the line, um, I think that Celtic will want to go for a relatively safe but popular choice if they can, and he'd be an incredibly popular signing, and yeah. he would seem like a, a safe option. So I think there's the prospect that they might um, go a little beyond what they would normally spend on wages and, and try and do it. Um, but he needs to work on his distribution. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I don't disagree with your sort of summary there. I think the only thing for me is I wonder how much Forster, you know, if he's not going to be viewed as a potential option for England, does he care about that as much as he does winning medals? So I guess what I was getting at there is, does him playing for a, a low-level English Premiership team mean as much as it would playing for... Um, Celtic if you're able to take the sort of wage situation out of it so it'll be interesting to see what Celtic do there and um, sure. I think it's in terms of Neil Lennon he we mentioned before he, um, before Forster was actually signed that he could be a potential target and uh, I think that Lennon will be asking you know the hierarchy to, to wrap this deal up for him yep. uh, okay so Celtic in this game I think it's, it's pretty clear Neil Lennon even said it we're lucky in this game 
So if you were to be in charge of Celtic for the next old firm, what things would you do differently? Well, you need to have Edward playing, right? So I think the key thing is to um, you know keep him playing, but also keep him protected and, and kind of fit for the match. Um, I think the other thing to um, maybe focus on for Celtic would be to think about the fact that their fullbacks are probably going to be the area that they'll have the chance to be open. So ideally, I think they'd want to have Bolangoli play on the left and I, I guess probably Frimpon on the right. But they need to move the ball quicker to them um, so that they can make uh, full use of the space. I was also wondering whether there might be a benefit to them maybe playing a 4-3-3 instead of 4-2-3-1, just so there's a little bit more presence in midfield. Um, but also, so that might help them maybe get Brown to sit a wee bit more and not get drawn to the ball. I think there's some mm-hmm. issues that arise for Celtic lately where Brown's kind of a little bit um, drawn to the ball and, and trying to you know go and win everything. Uh, and then he gets drawn out of space. And then you know McGregor's not really a defensive midfielder, so then they're a wee bit open there. You you might not be able to cure that in Brown at this stage, so maybe the way that you kind of get around it a little bit is putting another guy in midfield as well. Um, so that might be maybe the way to approach things. And if you have Edward, then maybe that means that that doesn't hurt you too much because Edward can hold up and bring you know the you know those those midfielders into play anyway. So yeah, that's my thoughts. What yeah. you get anything you would? Yeah, say? I was just gonna say so just. I agree with what your your sort of points are there. I was just going to say from a Rangers, you're, I guess you really are just saying do the same same things that you've just done, and you know the repeatability of that performance it should work out for you. Um, if you can do those same things, yeah, I, I guess I agree with that. I think in addition, just the the kind of things that we mentioned, though, yeah. maybe work out how you can get good shooting chances for people other than just Morelos, and maybe see if um, so. It's quite a tough run of games. Um, there's young boys this week, which is obviously a really, really important match to get through in Europe. Um, and then there's Motherwell and Hibs away and then Kelly at home and then the Celtic match. Um, so that's, you know, a, a few quite big matches. I think there's a real test here for maybe one of Baker, uh, Barker, sorry, Ojo, <laughs> Stewart, Jones, whoever, to show in the run-up that they can be a game-changer off the bench. Um, maybe to yeah. kind of show to Gerard that there is um, some, you know, options and depth if a similar thing happens and he needs to do something with half an hour to go, who is going to be the guy that they turn to? So I think that would be an interesting thing for Rangers to try and figure out um, before the, the next game with uh, Celtic. And and also just, um, you, you know, they need to keep showing that same sort of mobility and that kind of aggressive uh, midfield as well for me. That, that would be, you know, beneficial yeah. things for them to keep doing. Yep, uh, don't disagree with that summary again. Um, so we've went, you know, through the League Cup final there. Um, you know, let us know what you think of that. You can get us on Twitter. Um, you know, let us know what your your thoughts are and what you would do differently. Um, so we're going to drop down uh, a couple of divisions now that we've covered the League Cup final, and this is potentially, you know, uh, or might have felt like a cup final for these two teams, <laughs> Wraith Rovers versus Airdrie. Um, who are battling for promotion to the Scottish Championship, both currently in League One. Um, but before we get into some of the the match itself, I want to start with this, uh, some of these extracts that I got from the Wraith Rovers website, which I think are fantastic. Um, so, Bowie did well to win possession in the middle of the park, and after supplying Jamie Gullen, he exploited the space that opened up in front of him by crashing a 20-yard shot past David Hutton. But the, Ro- the Rovers fans rising to acclaim the goal they could only watch as the ball scudded off the inside of the post. <laughs> Fantastic. Mm. Um, then, that was the final straw for the Airdrie boss, 
who was sent packing by the referee for presumably something he said and what was the final piece of action in a humdinger of a contest. So <laughs> to whoever writes for the Race Rovers website, never change. Good work. Did you happen to read anything on the Airdrie website? There was a little bit of a slightly bitter intro to their piece. Um, so it started, Airdrie found themselves on the end of some hard treatment from the opposition and some harsh decisions from the officials as their winning run ended in controversial circumstances at Wraith Rovers. And I guess, you know what, let's go straight into it. There was definitely some things in this, but actually, sorry, one other caveat I want to give Wraith Rovers credit for. We mentioned it before when we spoke about Wraith Rovers, their highlight package for a League One team is absolutely outstanding. Uh, the quality of it, I think, is really good and puts some other clubs to shame. So, uh, well done to those guys. Um, so, yeah, the game opened up um, with Wraith Rovers and Airdrie both having some some really good chances in the first half. Um, Wraith um, had a shot crash off the post. I think that was the, the aforementioned uh, quote um, from Jamie Gollan's effort. Um and then Airdrie sort of immediately responded with, a, I think it was a, a cross ball into the box uh, and a sort of looping header that, that bounced off the bar. Uh, and I think, you know, I, I didn't see this game live and I won't even pretend to, to say that I did. But um, I think from watching this highlights, uh, you know, I, I got, it looked like this was going to be quite an exciting game and, you know, already knowing the stats and some of the things that happened, I think that was a good sort of tone for what was going to happen throughout the 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 rest of the game. Um, so, and uh, again, for some of the, the people that follow on Twitter, uh, Kieran Bowie is someone who I'm very high on and I think has got quite a bright future. Um, I think there was a, a moment in the first half where actually he could have had a penalty where there was sort of two last-ditch tackles that came in on him. This is when it was still mm. nil-nil. Yep. Um, where, you know, I'm, I would say that pretty much the second one was a foul, um, mm. but he sort of stayed on his feet Um and didn't even look to claim for the, the penalty. Yeah, that's what I thought about it. Some other players did, but he didn't really until they did. Did you Did you think it was probably a penalty? Yeah, I, w- I thought it looked like he was impeded. Um, I, I think he has a pretty clear, you know, chance at, at goal there. And uh, and I think, you know, there's two sort of questionable tackles put in on them. It's, it's hard to see if the ball's, you know, properly won by the defender or not. But to me, it looked like it was a foul. What about you? Um, I really couldn't tell at all. Um, I will probably say no on the basis that he didn't really seem to react too much to it. But yeah, given that you're talking about Kieran Bowie just now, um, I, I thought there were some really nice things from him in this game. The, the, the chance that you mentioned near the start there where uh, Jamie Gullen, who's on loan from Hibs and is only 20, hit the post, I thought it was a really nice um, kind of bit of hold up and then layoff from Bowie. And I thought that in general, there were lots of quite nice things that you saw from him in this game. Um, I think he looks good. He's got a great body shape for his age. He's very tall, but in a kind of... Uh, he's lean, but got broad shoulders as well. He, he looks like he'll really kind of fill out, and he, he looks um, quite confident, finds space pretty well. What, were you impressed yeah. by him? Did you like Yeah, absolutely. Like I, I, liked, uh, I think that he's pretty good uh, at pulling into different areas and pulling people with him. Um, yeah. I... Th- I th- well, I've not finished it. I really need to pull my finger out. But uh, I started writing an article about some players in Scotland to keep an eye on, and he was one of them. And when I was watching the highlights uh, of him, I, I did feel that his movement is something that's really quite impressive, as well as his sort of stature. Um, so, yeah, I think he's a really good prospect, and I would be surprised if there isn't um, you know, teams from Scotland beyond having a look at him because he's still really young, so there's opportunity for him to develop. 
Um, but yeah, I felt like he was pulling into the the sort of wider areas um, really well, making it difficult for defenders. And at times, it felt like um, there was sort of big spaces between the the area of sort of back four. Um, I totally this agree. Sort of, this was sort of evident, I think, with the opening goal um, with the ball that yep. came in. Um, so uh, it came, the ball comes in diagonally. It sort of floats towards the the back post and it's hit across goal. Um, but the the space and time that the the Wraith Rovers midfielder has to to get that ball, you know, he probably could have controlled it, took a touch. Um, and you, I think you saw that again. There was a chance for Kieran Bowie that came down that same side. Do you remember? Yeah. And yeah, the, yeah. the right centre back and um, the right back were just kind of nowhere, um, and the, the left back for um, Wraith Kieran McDonald could get ahead, get down the pitch. Or set up Bowie quite often. Um, it's hard to tell from just a highlights package what was going on tactically or formation wise to kind of mean that. I, I don't know if you know maybe the only maybe the diamond on Airdrie's top wasn't the only <laughs> diamond um, at play here. You know if they were playing, you know, it's, so they've recently started playing um, two up top. Um, yep. So you know they've got Colin Cameron and his assistant manager now, and they're on a they they were on a really good run, um, six matches uh, that they'd won in a row, and part of that was moving um, Carrick and Gallagher both to be up yep. top together. But but maybe they're playing some sort of four four two diamond, which is meaning that it's difficult for the midfield to shuffle over. Um, but because you're right, there was a huge amount of space. Um, the the goal was kind of strange. I I like you said the left back had some time to maybe put in a more considered cross, but it didn't really matter. He totally yeah. banged that across, and I wasn't too sure how much control the goal scorer um yeah. really had on a goal. But anyway, it was a, it was a good opener for for Wraith. Yep. Yep. Uh, nice goal. And then they were. I felt they were really lucky immediately after that. You sort of mentioned that there was another opportunity that was quite similar with the the mm. space in that sort of zone. Uh, maybe Bowie could have done a bit better. Um, he opted to shoot when maybe he could have played it across goal. Um, but that's something, I guess, going back to him personally, that's something that you can develop with him and the fact that he's getting that chance and, and moving into the open spaces as the positive. I felt from watching this highlights that there was actually a, a lot of nice little sort of interchanging moves from both sides throughout the game. Was that something that came across to you? Yeah, there was some pretty good passing from both teams. Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I guess... We'll probably go on to the number of red cards, but it, it, did, <laughs> it did mean there was a bit more space later on to do yeah. those kind of things. Um, but yeah, there was there was nice passing. I mean, there was the chance for um, Airdrie where Callum Smith um, got through in behind, kind of between the left back and the left centre back and um, put it wide when, when really he should have got something on target or scored. I thought that was a, a really good chance for Airdrie. I think that was actually before the Wraith goal and it yeah. was very, very bad defending. Um, I think uh, Benedictus, the centre back, just kind of stood and kind of watched what was unfolding in front of him, which was kind of bizarre. But yeah, um, as you say, there was there was quite a lot of nice um, interplay at, at times. Absolutely. So yeah, I guess then we, we go on to the red card for Ian Davidson. I didn't think it was a straight red. Did you? Mm. I thought it was a bit harsh. I don't know if he'd had warnings throughout the game, but to me, it didn't feel like a straight red tackle. Did you feel any different? He kicked the guy in his chest. I mean, you know, uh, I don't. Well, uh, I, I mean, I, th- I think right. Okay, so I think it's a definite red. Um, I really? think there was a, yeah. I think there was a handball in the build-up. I think an Airdrie player handballed it, which you know maybe potentially could mean that Wraith would be a wee bit frustrated that and called. Um, I think that it's it's unlucky, right? So I think that he doesn't mean it. He, he doesn't mean it. 
he's just slow and, and he reacts poorly. But, you know, it's all about his decision-making. Um, but it was dangerous and it was a bit stupid and, and you've okay. got to protect players. That's my take on that. I mean, Okay, it, yeah, you know, I get that. I get that. He, he literally has, the, you know, he, he has his boot in the guy's chest. Just about. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's, it's unfortunate. He certainly doesn't mean it. He's just, yeah. It's a bad call from him. Yeah, so I guess then uh, after that, I'm, I'm not too sure. I, there was definitely some questionable decisions from the referees throughout this game. Airdrie looked like they could have potentially had two, maybe three penalties throughout this game. Uh, there was one that was that was a uh, really bad. I think it was just. I think it was the next highlight after this. I can't remember the, what the player was, but there was one that really stuck out to me. And I was like, surely that's a pen. Uh, in fact, no, I'm talking nonsense. It was at the very end of the game, um, where I, I don't know what the player was, but it, it wasn't to me. It looked like a blatant penalty, and and there was definitely a few other sort of decisions in there that Airdrie might be. Uh, a little bit aggrieved with, um, you know, as you mentioned, there was three red cards in this game, and it looked like in the last sort of fifteen minutes, everyone lost their head and just thought, you know, fuck it, let's just hack everyone. Um, <laughs> well, the, which... I mean, I, I think it got pretty messy. So when you know the first red card happened for Wraith, they took Gullen off then, um, and I think that changed the the game a wee bit. Although maybe Airdrie didn't really. They played a lot of kind of lofted crosses. I'm not sure if they took advantage the way they could have, um, and then. What what did you think of the so the red for Fordyce the Airdrie red cards? What what did you think of that one? Um, I guess in terms of at first, uh, I, I I thought it was just a yellow. So you know, yeah. Joe Victoria is breaking away, but see when you watch the replay, it's just so deliberate, it's so cynical um, that you know I, I don't know. I just thought it was it was pretty dirty. Yeah, I, I guess my thinking was more roundabout. If, as he's sending that player off because he's already sent off a Wraith player it's like you don't know if that goes through a referee's head or not it is cynical but if he hasn't been booked is it any more than a yellow card well you'd probably say it as a yellow card but it was just I don't know I just think it was it was incredibly dirty and cynical the look oh, of his face there's even there's another Airdrie player who's shocked by his own player doing it if you watch <laughs> it like he's just like running alongside him and he's he can't believe it but yeah anyway so that that brought um it down to t- 10 men each but then actually after that um Airdrie had made their final sub Charlie Riley came on and then he got injured and had to go off so Airdrie then went down to nine men um and then there was the the third red card um, when another Wraith player gets sent off. Um, goal, and it yeah, was, it was a goal scorer, Ross Matthews. Yep. Yeah, and it's 9v9. <laughs> it's just absolutely mental. Um, but even though that happened in injury time, there seemed to be loads of chances after that. What What did you think of the yeah, chances that Airdrie had? I, I, I actually thought Airdrie probably should have got something out of this. They looked like they were the better team in the second half, albeit most that's against 10 men. Mm. Um, I think there's some questionable penalties they were unlucky not to get at least one again in my opinion um and you know what i think if you're if you're an airdrie fan or you know players coaches etc they'll be frustrated that they didn't get at least a draw out of this uh, i think considering the run they were on and you know if they were able to to get a draw uh, away against race i think that would be a a really good result for them um and it would keep the momentum going um <laughs> sure. considering that's you know top of the league now uh race but I just wanted to give a. This is a little bit of um, nostalgia, I guess. I, I I have a soft spot for Airdrie, and I don't know why. Um, I have a brief recollection of Owen Coyle playing for Airdrie, and you know, 
scoring like like, like Stephen Dobby scoring like <laughs> five hundred goals a season, but sure. you know about thirty eight at the time or whatever. But I, I I feel like that's the sort of club that um, maybe just needs that lift into the into the championship and a bit of positivity around about it that could maybe see them kick on because it's it's a pretty decent catchment area, um, pretty good transport links. So I, I think they could do well. Um, mm. So yeah, I, I want to see Airdrie do well and um, you know what, if Colin Cameron's as good assistant manager, um, then that'll that'll hopefully propel them to the Well, it'll be a, a test for him for next week because they play, I think it's Peter Head that they've got next and Ian Murray, the manager, got sent off in this as well um, towards the end of the game. Yeah. So I guess it'll be Colin Cameron that's in the dugout um, looking after him next week. So it'll be interesting to see how he gets on. Um, and next week, Wraith, who are now top on 31 points, play third place Falkirk who are on 27 yeah. um, in Falkirk so that's a pretty huge game for yeah. them to navigate with um, having so many people now suspended and, and the other thing I was going to briefly say about Wraith was I noticed that um, so they're, they're doing great obviously but in their last four games um, they've won three and they've drawn one but they have not managed to score more than one goal in the last four games and that's kind of coincided slightly with Regan Henry who we spoke about earlier in the season on the podcast um, being out injured, I think he's a really good young playmaker, came through the ranks at Celtic and stuff, so it'll be interesting to see when he's back for Wraith and if that can help them maybe kind of control games a wee bit more and, and you know have a kind of more camera influence in the centre midfield. Yep, totally totally agree, uh, I think it's a, he's a good player and someone that we would want to see more of um, and actually I think League One this year looks pretty good, there's some, yeah. some good uh competitive games and a lot of teams fighting for a lot of different things um, so uh, a league that we'll definitely keep an eye on um, and looking out for Kieran Bowie Ballon d'Or so, um, <laughs> so yeah to finish things up on the festive spirit um, we said we would look at what football gifts could you get the people that you like or dislike this Christmas um, if you're buying it in necessity or if you're buying out of spite maybe not actually I'm, I'm being a little bit Difficult there. So, yeah, uh, what sort of football Christmas gifts um, would you look at? We said we would try and pick five each. Um, so, Owen, do you want to give me your first thing that you would buy for someone you love? Yes, the first thing that I would buy for somebody that I love is a jumper. It's um, a Gazetta Football Italia jumper by uh, Haley Designs. Yeah. So, Haley Designs is a an illustrator designer from Hartlepool, I think, um, in England. Um, one one man that does the designs, and I believe his wife kind of manages the web shop and so on. There's some really nice um, work on the kind of website, but the one that stood out to me is a jumper that has the kind of iconic uh, Channel 4 Gazetta Italia logo, so the, the, the four in a kind of green, white, and red of Italy, and then a kind of nice kind of circular logo around it um, saying, I don't know, Gazetta Football Italia or whatever. Um, 30 quid, There's a I think there's a buy three, a buy two, get a third free item on their website deal at the moment. Um, and yeah, it's really nice. That, that would be a good gift for Sunday, I think. Yep. I feel like Don will love it. <laughs> mm, absolutely, yes. <laughs> 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 and then she'll have to give it back to me. <laughs> oh well, the best Tactics. kid I guess. Mm. <laughs> um, love it. Yeah, I've I've actually bought badges uh, from Haley Design uh, oh, before. So I've got the a little uh, AC Milan badge. Um, that's that's pretty cool. So yeah, uh, big thumbs up to that. So I would uh, I looked at um, this one's a little bit different. Um, I have to give a, a shout out to um, Counter Attack the game. Um, 
first of all, huge credit to Colin who runs Counter Attack. He puts in so much effort and time into this. Um, if you haven't seen it, please go check it out um, at counterattackthegame.com um, or you'll find it on Twitter uh, or any other social media platforms. But there's something about this uh, and something about board games that I feel a little bit nostalgic about and I feel like that's something that's maybe dying. It's not something that... Uh, you see as much anymore and it's not something that um you know families do so i was getting a little bit sentimental and emotional thinking about you know christmas has passed where um playing subutio with uh cousins and uncles and you know things like that and and it just felt really sort of uh, nice in that moment thinking about it um and it's something i think you know if you're into like football manager or strategy or these sort of things that you know it's it's definitely something you should check out um, you can get a, a sort of starter set for £35 and that gets you uh, all the sort of bits and pieces you need from a game, uh, the players, the teams, um, you know, all the different parts. And I think it's a really cool um, niche little thing that if, you know, if, if you're looking for these sort of things, then you should absolutely be involved in it. Um, and again, I, I just have to give a huge shout out to, to Colin and the work and effort that he's put into to creating this because uh, it's... It's not easy. Um, it's hard enough, you know, doing things just like a podcast. So to try and, you know, bring out a, a board game must be an absolute nightmare. So uh, please go and support Colin um, and yeah, check out sounds, stuff. Sounds great. I'm, I'm quite looking forward to checking out that game myself. I have a little bit of a psychological block to get over before I do it. Um, that's because I really liked Subutio as a kid. I was absolutely obsessed with it to the extent I used to have like little, you know, jotters full of leagues that I would kind of play against myself and Love create that. all these teams and stuff. But then, um, so I had, uh, there was some toy shop at St. Nina Square that had like a really good Subutu selection and stuff. So I had some nice teams from there. Um, I remember having the Brazil 1970 team and I absolutely loved them, kept them, you know, nice condition and everything. But then had somebody round like to, to play, but they were like, you know how your mum sometimes had a pal and the pal yep. had a kid and you had to be pals with that you know, person's kid? Aye, but you maybe didn't actually like them. Well, mum had a pal whose kid I really didn't like and this kid was a big clumsy oaf and he stepped all over my Brazil players, my Brazil 1970s oh, no. field players. So ever since that day, um, it's, it's been difficult. But counter-attack might be the thing that gets me back into football kind of board games, so you never know. <laughs> Love it. Uh, okay, well, talk to me about your, your next uh, sort of selection. Okay, the next thing to look at is the new Independiente football kit. This oh, is well, a third top um, from Independiente, Argentinian team. Um, so this is a top that's inspired by their first ever kit from 1905. Um, that kit itself in 1905 was inspired by another team's kit. Um, the other team who inspired it were called St Andrews, and they were a uh, team that were formed by Scottish immigrants um, in Argentina and Buenos Aires. Um, they were, I think these immigrants had set up a school, St Andrews Scott School, and then had a, a football team that came through the school. Um, and that team, the St Andrews team, won the first ever Argentinian football championship in the 1890s. So uh, Independiente decided, well, what, what better, um, you know, kind of inspiration to have for our original colours, our original kit. And they've gone back to that. And if you have a look at my Twitter timeline, that's at Owen James Brown on Twitter. I've posted a photo of the kit. Um, it's very nice. It's a Puma number. It's kind of dark navy, but with a big uh, kind of white saltire. Um, and actually, it looks really good. It really works. 
I would suggest buying this for anybody in your life who you think might be tempted to go to Scotland's um, March playoff against Israel or any future Scotland football games because it would be a good kit to wear to that. Yep. I thought you were just going to leave it at anybody. <laughs> oh, well, that's, yeah, anybody. It's a nice kit, you know. Um, nice. Yeah, absolutely. Nice. Um, but yeah, particularly for Scotland fans, I think, or independiente fans, they might want to buy it too. Yeah, pure, pure football doing bets in Argentina. Um so, yeah, um, that's because of our Copa Libertadores coverage. That's what that is. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> <the> cassette, guys. <laughs> um, so moving on to, I have to give another shout-out to um, Football Stadium Prince. Uh, Steve, again, someone who deserves a lot of credit, took a huge gamble, giving up his day job to go and work for himself and just design and print football stadiums, you know, from clubs all over the world. And he's worked with some uh, clubs officially, which is amazing. Um and I think the work that he does is, is awesome. It's really cool. Um, I highly recommend that you you know you check him out. Um, and again, just all the usual places. Um, but I personally wanted to recommend the the portrait of my beloved Bologna, um, the Stadio Renato della Ara. Um, the picture of that on his website uh, is amazing. And yeah, um, if you you know you'll find a, a stadium print of almost any team you can think of, right? Um, and that goes from all across Scotland um, to worldwide. So, you know, if there's there's something that means something to you or a family member, um, you know, going to a first game together or whatever, then I definitely recommend checking that out. I think you know, there's a lot of great work. And, uh, and yeah, I like, I like people that, you know, are committed to their passion and, and, you know, giving up your job to go chase that dream. Fair play to him and, and he deserves all the things that he gets. So, Owen, moving on to your next pick. Who've yeah. got? Um, next pick for me is the Scouted Football Handbook. Um, so, Scouted Football, our Twitter account, podcast, website. Um, you can find them on Twitter at, at ScoutedFTBL. Um, they put out a handbook, um, which is a really nicely illustrated um, kind of you know small magazine about young footballers. Um, so the fourth edition of that, um, I think they're, they come out every couple of months. The fourth edition is out right now, um, and I think you could probably buy that in time for Christmas. It's got uh, Leo's Victor Osimhen, um on the cover. It's £10 for a paper copy. Uh, it's, it's really lovely looking. The illustrations are great. Um, you can also, if you wanted to, pick up a digital copy uh, for £3.00. And um, I would suggest that you check out their podcast as well, but definitely look to pick up a, a book of um, theirs, their, their good stuff. Um, and not just because I might be in one of the next ones uh, with a couple of columns and players. Uh, so yeah, look, look out for that, but also Love it. get 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 something from them just now. They're, they're really nice. Um, you got another Christmas yep. gift for Andy? Yep. yep, so you need to get your uh, Football Fanatics a subscription to theathletic.com if you haven't already. £9.99 a month, um, or it's four ninety nine if you pay it annually, so I can't work that out over the top of my head, about £60 if you pay it as an annual. Um, there's they've some... often got discounts on, you know, if you keep your eye out, there's quite often a, a wee deal and stuff. Sorry, go on, no Yeah, I was just going to say that uh, there's some amazing writers on there, amazing analysis of, uh, of football from around the world, um, some great stories, um, and yeah, it's no clickbait. It's just real football with great insight, looking at it in different ways. You know, if you're into it from a tactical point of view or a mental point of view or just a, a good match report or whatever, they've got it all covered. Um, 
and I think you know uh, hopefully they'll expand over time and have more writers about different clubs. But um, just now it's predominantly um, Kieran Devlin and Jordan Campbell covering Scottish football. Um, and I just want to quickly reference the the article that Jordan Campbell um, wrote about Graham Murty um, about coaching young players, um, which I, I've you know Murty's been through quite a lot as a manager. Um, and I think he's always had this sort of nice guy um, type feel about him. And it's just there was something about reading it and uh, listening to the way that Jordan described um, Marty coaching his players through the games and asking players to, you know, um, to take responsibility for the, you know, the the actions that were you know coming through in the game and, and asking the players, um, I think the quote is, uh, can you solve it for us, Nathan? When I think he was speaking, it was it Nathan uh Patterson, he was speaking to, yeah. yeah so, yeah. um, so I, you know, and that, that really, that's the way that I would coach someone in, in my role. I wouldn't tell them what to do. Um, I would present the problem to them and, and let them try and figure it out. And that's how you see players grow, and I, or, or sorry, people grow in general. I think. Um, so yeah, that that article was was really really good, and and you won't find stories like that in uh, our Scottish. Red tops. Um, so yeah, get involved in theathletic.com. Cool. Yep. Good shout there. Uh, I, I really agree with what you said about it. No adverts, no clickbaits, couple of good writers about Scottish football. Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, the next kind of one for me, I guess my final one would be maybe just to get yourself or, you know, encourage maybe, you know, somebody that's going to be buying a present for you um, to get you a wee kind of Scottish football bundle um, in the form of um, a couple of things on Patreon. So I think you should get a modern football subscription. You should get a subscription to Football Stewart's um, Patreon and one for the Terrace. And also maybe get Nutmeg magazine as well, which is a really nice kind of periodical magazine. Um, you could, you know, ask for somebody to give you those or give them to somebody in your life who you think likes Scottish football as a kind of collective bundle. Yep. Um, what do you think about that, Gavin? I think you said that you maybe yeah. wanted to mention some Patreon yeah. stuff. Was it similar? Ones yeah, or? very similar. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of people that give up a lot of their time to provide content. Um, so, you know, if you can support those people and, you know, not just support those people, but also get some great content, then you should absolutely get involved in that. The final one for me um, is go see a game of football. Get tickets to a game, whether that's your local team or whoever. Just take whoever it is that you know is is in your life that loves football the same way you do uh, and buy tickets and go enjoy a game of football. It's an amazing experience you know, whether you win, lose or draw, the emotions that football gives you. And it's just something that I think is, uh, you know, sometimes taken for granted. But within, you know, there's there's reasons behind that. But if you can afford it over the Christmas period, buy someone tickets to a game, support a club, um, whether that's your own club or your local club, it doesn't really matter. Um, just go in and enjoy a game of football. Particularly maybe if you support a premiership team um, and the winter break's going to be on and so on, um, you could maybe pick out a match in, in January somewhere else that you might want to check out. That's a good opportunity for people too. Yep. Yeah. Go scout Kieran Bowie. I'm telling you now. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, right. So as ever, um, we've been Pure Fitba. You can find us uh, on twitter.com forward slash Pure Fitba. You can get us on the website, purefitba.com. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, then please like, share and subscribe with your friends as it really helps us grow. Um, and Owen, anything you want to sign off with? 
Uh, not really, just thank you everybody for listening, um, as ever. Really appreciate it. Perfect. We'll be back soon.